Are you ready for the word of God? A reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, a few selected verses. The Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place he was about to go. Heal the sick who are there, he told them, and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Later, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample over snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. This is the gospel of the Lord. I'm going to keep it very simple today evening. And I'm going to show you how in three steps you're going to attain the freedom that God wants all of us to have. Step one, get wise. Step two, get right. And step three, get kicking. How do we get wise? Many of us are ignorant. And over the last few weeks that I've been speaking to you, I've tried to take some of that ignorance away. Ignorance, one about the devil. We learned that he's real, despite whatever people might say, the devil is real. But even though he's real, we also learned that he's not all powerful, he's not all omniscient. In fact, the only power that he has is the power that we let him have. We also learned that the devil is a defeated enemy. And that we no longer need to fight for victory, but fight from victory. And that makes such a great difference, you will not believe it. I'm going to talk about this a little more later in the talk. The second thing we learned is that the devil has built strongholds in our minds. Over the years, he's got us believing a lot of lies. Among the lies he has got us believing are the lies that say we're helpless, that we're weak. Among the lies that he has us believing is that we don't have the power to deliver us ourselves of all the bondages that hold us down. Among the lies he has us believing is that we cannot be set free from the chains that keep us tight. Now when we are in a stronghold, what do we need to do? We need to shake loose. My brother Cleophas here looks a little strong. Can I ask you to stand up? All right? Grip my hands tight. I mean, hold me in a lock. Hold my neck. Hold my neck with that hand like that. No, no, from the front, yeah? All right, not too tight, otherwise. And my hands. I can move my hands. Don't let me move that hand, all right? Now, basically, he's got me in a stronghold, okay? Now, I can't really move my hands. I mean, this hand is frozen as well. So what do I do to break this stronghold? One is I can do something very simple. I can lift my feet like this and kick him hard. Well, I don't want to do that. (laughs) I would have. I was thinking about it. I'm wicked, you know. But I said, let me not. Thank you, brother. 
And he re- releases that stronghold. And we need to do that as well. And what we're going to do here tonight is to give the devil a kick. A kick so hard he has no option but to let us go. And the third thing we need to really get wise about is the fact that he is an expert in deception. You know, have you ever left the confessional, determined not to commit a sin, and less than 24 hours later, sometimes less than 24 minutes later, we're doing the same thing again. How many of you have had that experience? Raise your hands. The rest of you don't go for confession. (laughs) It happens to all of us. And the moment this happens, what does he tell you? He says, your father is going to get you for that. He tells you you're weak, you're miserable, you're useless, you're good for nothing, you're sinful in your heart. And the third thing he says, what use was that confession? Your sins are not forgiven. And I want to talk about these three points very quickly because they're important. One, your father loves you, okay? There's nowhere better I can put this other than saying to you, your father loves you. Now, many of us have had bad experiences with our human fathers and think our father in heaven is like that. He is not. It doesn't matter what kind of a person your father was. He was abusive. He was a drunkard. He treated you badly. He treated your wife badly. He never encouraged you. He never affirmed you. He never loved you. He never hugged you even. Forget about it. Your father in heaven is not like that. He's not a tyrant. And we need to understand that because if we don't understand that, We're going to keep struggling with sin because we're always going to think that our father is there. We need to face him and he's going to scold us or worse, he's going to punish us. No, he's not. What does the word of God says? Repent and turn back to God and he will forgive you your sins and times of refreshing will come upon you. And I hate going for confession. I'm telling you this. I always, I try to postpone it as long as I can until finally my soul doesn't allow me to stay without confessing. So I will go stand on that line, sit in front of the priest or kneel before him and say, I am sorry. And when I leave that confessional, forget about what I was feeling when I walked in there. I walk out of there feeling clean, feeling refreshed, feeling whole. Knowing that my father has forgiven because he cannot not forgive. He cannot not love. So if you want, if you want deliverance here today, the first thing you got to tell yourself, my heavenly father is not like my earthly father. In fact, he's not like any earthly being I have ever met. He is a loving, merciful, compassionate God. And my God, there is nothing I can do that will make him stop me, stop him from loving me less. Can you all repeat after me? My heavenly father loves me like crazy. And I love him like crazy too. The second lie the devil feeds us is that you're worthless, that you're useless, that you're a sinner and that you can never stop sinning. How many times have people in our lives told us, you're not going to amount to anything, you know, you're never going to change. Your life is going to be the same. This is the way you're born. This is the way you live. This is the way you're going to die. I know he does that. I know he does that constantly and continuously. He is the father of lies. Who are you? You are somebody extraordinarily beautiful. My God, I look at your faces here now and what do I see? I see jewels shining and sparkling. 
I see light shining in your eyes. I see your soul shimmering. Why? Because Jesus has made you that way. Whenever I'm speaking to the youth, I always speak to them about three things they are, and there's a good chance I've spoken to you about this as well. Remember at all times. One, you are a child, a son and daughter of the most powerful being in creation. Two, you are a brother and sister of our Lord, our Savior, who is also King of kings and Lord of lords. And three, your body is a temple to the Holy Spirit of God. God is not somebody who lives out there. He's somebody who lives in here. Man, that makes you valuable. Remember that always. Will you? Say after me, I am a child of the most powerful being in creation. I am a brother or sister to the King of kings and the Lord of lords whose name is Jesus. My body is a temple to the Holy Spirit. God lives in me. That makes me a wonderful person. And the third thing I want us to remember is that when we are forgiven, our sins are forgiven. I've done an entire talk on this, so I'm not going to go into that again, but I have to repeat to you. When you leave that confessional, the priest said your sins are forgiven, you're absolved. They are wiped out of God's mind. And if they're wiped out from God's mind, they're wiped out of time and space. They no longer exist. So what are you guilty about? Because that is what the devil is going to say to you. You miserable, worthless specimen. It's over. It is gone. Everybody with me? Say after me. My sins are forgiven. I will no longer feel guilty. Or ashamed about the things I have done. I have repented for them. And now I will experience the refreshing that God promises me. I will leave here whole, free, and powerful. Praise the Lord. Now we come to the second easy step. Am I going easy so far? All right, good. Second easy step. God is simplifying everything. You know, he's really simplifying everything and he's making everything so beautiful. I sometimes kick myself saying, so many times I've struggled in my life. I've struggled in ministry, but it is so easy. It is so easy. Talking to people is so easy. Changing people is so easy. Moving hearts is so easy. Why? All I need to do is put everything on him. Let him do the work. All of you can say, Brother O'Neill is a fantastic preacher, but in truth, he's the one doing all the work. I'm cool. Am I cool? Say, you're cool. All right. <laughs> the second step, get right. You know, I've done this before. I'm not going to do it again. But let us imagine that this young man is the devil. Stand up. Let everyone see you. 
You're too good looking to be the devil. Sit down. <laughs> If I don't go near him, what is he going to do? Often when I'm talking to people who are struggling with sin, they say I hear the devil all the time barking, barking, barking. And I say, yes, he's barking. But the one thing you need to remember is that he's no longer barking in the house. He's barking outside the house. But on the other hand, if every now and then I open the door of my house and I say to the devil, come inside, whose fault is that if not my own? Now, when we repent, we're basically telling God, I'm kicking the devil out. So kick him out and keep him out. If necessary, padlock your house and throw the key away so that nobody can enter after that, especially the devil. Now, unfortunately, many of us don't do this. I spoke about confession a little while ago. We don't do it. We have unconfessed sin in our hearts. We have our souls corrupted as a reason. And the only thing that can fix it is going and making a good confession. I know it is humiliating. I know it is embarrassing for many of us, but trust me, do it. And leave that confessional believing that your sins are forgiven. But as long as you've not reconciled yourself with God, you've still got the devil inside your house. How do you expect to be delivered of anything if you haven't reconciled yourself with God? So the first thing you need to do, please make a good confession. Please say after me, I promise, Lord, that I will make a good confession at the earliest possible, which might mean tomorrow. Okay, you don't need to repeat that, but right, the earliest. I mean, don't wait. Don't wait. Just believe that God is going to come with you in tremendous grace today and go tomorrow, go day after. You know, the best time to do it is during Mass. Um, when Mass is going on, it gives you an opportunity to go to church as well. And you know, just go make a confession, come out there, receive the Eucharist and say, wow, I'm awesomely cool. Second thing, second thing, and this also is something I've spoken. In fact, everything I'm talking about today is stuff I've spoken about in the past, unforgiveness. Now, I'm not going to give you a talk on this because you know everything I'm going to say, but I am going to repeat. The Lord's Prayer that we say every day is a conditional prayer. It says... Forgive me my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. Okay? Later on in Matthew chapter 6, 14 and 15, Jesus says, For if you forgive men their sins, your heavenly Father will sins. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. You don't forgive your brothers and sisters their sins. Your Father has not forgiven your sin. Where are you? You're in the wilderness. Read Matthew chapter 18 for a story about why forgiveness is so important. I'm not going to tell it to you now. Go home and read it. The third thing that really hampers our being delivered is unholy soul ties. And here is something where some of you are going to get hurt, but I'm going to say it nonetheless. Any kind of sexual immorality results in an unholy soul tie. Now you might think, especially in today's world, where the moment you feel any attraction, forget about affection and love for somebody, you feel it gives you the right to have sexual intercourse with that person. It doesn't. Why? Because when you engage in sexual union with one person, 
Scripture says, your two bodies become one flesh. Imagine the repercussions of this if you truly understand what happens. You take a man and a woman and they're not married to each other. They become one flesh. What happens? Everything that is yours is kind of transferred to that person and whatever is that person's transfers to you. Scripture is very, very clear about this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, it says, Do not unite your body to a prostitute. Don't you know the two become one flesh, you become as one. But forget a prostitute, any person, any person that you have a sexual union with. You're transferring stuff, which means if she has some occultic or non-holy influences, they become yours. And very often in times like this, what happens is people express declarations of unity, of union. You are my soulmate. What does that mean? Don't even say these things to your spouse. Forget about other people. Your soul is yours and it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God, just as your body belongs to God. And which is why after he says this, Paul warns the people, he says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his own body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 to 20. You were bought at a price. You do not belong to yourself anymore. Someone has paid a price for you with every drop of his blood. You belong to him. Your soul belongs to him. Your mind belongs to him. Your heart belongs to him. Everything that is yours belongs to him. And this is the understanding that we need if we want to be freed. Scripture again says, I forget the chapter and verse. I know it's Romans. I think it is 618. You are no longer slaves of sin, but have become slaves of righteousness. You don't have to sin anymore. You have to be righteous. You have to be holy. You have to be good people. You have to be holy people. And Romans 12 says, offer your bodies to God as a living sacrifice. Just say, Lord, here I am. All of me is yours. You know, very often I speak to people about our bodies being a temple to the Holy Spirit. People don't like it. People don't like it when I tell them, you need to take care of your body. You need to keep it clean. You need to keep it pure. I often ask people, how many of you would drink in a church? How many of you would smoke in a church? How many of you would do drugs in a church? And everyone says no. And I ask them why? And they say, because it is holy ground. And then I say, do you not know that your body is a temple to the Holy Spirit? Your body is also holy ground. And this is what we need to understand. How do, you, how do you fight an addiction like alcohol? How do you fight an addiction like, like nicotine and tobacco? If you believe it is fine to do it. Now I'm not contradicting the church's teaching. I do not believe that drinking is a sin. I do not believe that smoking is a sin. But I do believe that these are things that affect the human body. And I also believe that if we don't look after our body, we're not going to be truly open to the Holy Spirit. I mean, think about this. Why would the Holy Spirit want to really be powerful in somebody who stinks of booze all the time or who smells of tobacco all the time? I quit cigarette, cigarettes 10 years ago and I can't enter an elevator 
without feeling nauseous if somebody in that elevator has just had a cigarette. Have you felt the same way? Yeah, I don't know how my wife used to kiss me for 25 years, you know, 15 years. I, my mouth smelled like a sewer. And to think that you would imagine the Holy Spirit would like to stay in a body that smelled like a sewer, I, I, it's beyond me. It's beyond me. Once again, I have to say drinking is not a sin. Scripture doesn't say it. The church doesn't teach it. But I know what is good for my body and I will not do something that is injurious to it. Would you? Think about it. Don't say yes or no now. Think about it. Seriously, think about it. So be careful of soul ties. Be careful of gifts that you receive from people who you have soul ties with. They give you gifts and love. But what happens very often is they become idols. Which brings me to something else that affects our relationship with God. Idol worship. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 26 says, Do not bring anything vile into my house. Because I will destroy the person as I will destroy the thing. And we have to be careful about that. Now I don't want to say anything about other gods. People respect them. People believe in them. But I will say that our God permits no competition. He is a jealous God, as he says time and time again in the scripture. In fact, his first commandment is, thou shall have no false idols. Thou shall not bow before any other God. And yet, sometimes I'll go to a Christian's house and I will look around and I will find no pictures of Jesus. I'll find no statues of him, but I will find statues of other gods in their house. And I say, what are you doing? How do you even expect to be blessed when you have things like this? We bring things into a house without even understanding what they signify or what they are. Be careful even about religious things that you sometimes get. How many of you have gone to Velankani? Don't raise your hands. There are people selling rosaries outside. There are people selling holy objects outside. And we think, okay, here is a statue of our blessed Virgin Mary. Let us take it home. Not even realizing that many times these objects have been bewitched with evil influences rather than good. Now all these things have power and we don't realize it. So what do you do? You get them blessed the moment you buy an object. Doesn't matter from which shrine you buy it. A lot of people are selling these objects are not Christians. You go and ask them the next time. And yet you will innocently believe, okay, I take this here, I will put it in my house and I will be blessed. Your conscience is right, your intention is right, your motive is right, but unwittingly you've got something in your house that is not right. So be careful about things that you buy. Be careful about gifts that people give you, even religious Christian gifts. The first thing you do if you want to keep them in your house is get them blessed. Objects have power. Have power. Do you believe that? Do you bless your house? Why do you bless your house? Because you believe that holy water has power. Do you bless rosaries? Do you bless statues? Why? Because you believe the blessings have power. In the same way that holy objects have power, unholy objects have power as well. And my advice to all of you is go home tonight. Really go home. And go through all the things that you have. Stuff from Africa, stuff from India. You know, especially Africa. Stuff from China. Your dragons and your Buddhas. They don't belong in your house. So if you find any such object, even if it costs a fortune, what is more important to you? Blessings or how much you paid for that object? Just throw it out. 
or better still, burn it. That's what scripture advises us to do with things that are vile. Also speaking about being a jealous God, God warns. He says, if you bow down before idols, I will punish you and your generations four times down. And here we come to something that nobody talks about because everyone is afraid to talk about things that are really important. Nobody talks about sex, nobody talks about death, and nobody speaks about generational curses. <clears throat> I'm a father, okay? And I have a certain amount of property and wealth. It isn't much, but whatever it is, I have. Now, when I die, what happens to this? It passes on to my children, right? These are blessings that go down. Now, in the same way, things that I don't do right also go down. Now, when God says he's going to punish four generations, it doesn't mean he's count, keeping a count of one, two, three, four, and when it comes to the fourth, I'm going to punish them. What's he saying? He's saying, you're bringing this onto yourself. Let us imagine if I'm a father who does not believe in God. Instead, all I do is have false idols. And all I do is subscribe to the things these false idols ask me to do, which means I live a bad life. What happens? My children get influenced. There's no way. I can live a life that is sexually immoral. I can't live a life that is loose. I can't live a life of debauchery without it affecting my children. It cannot. Similarly, if they're affected, their children also are affected and their children are affected. Until one time, one child says, enough, enough, enough. I'm going to turn back to God. That is what he means by the curses coming down. Until one of us says, no more. It continues. And so all of us, I would like all of us to do this here today. To say, Lord, I don't know what my parents have done. I don't know what my grandparents have done. I don't know what my great-grandparents have done. I don't know what my ancestors have done throughout the ages. But I want to say on behalf of all of them that I am sorry. And God is so merciful. He's not going to hold it out on you. He really isn't. And I know these things are true. And I know these things are true because... I have experiential knowledge of whatever I speak to you about. And I remember years ago, I just started my ministry and God had just started healing people through me. And one day I got this invitation from this lady whose husband was in hospital, Russian hospital. She said, he's paralyzed, he can't move. He's in a kind of semi-coma. Can you please come and pray over him? And I thought, God, maybe you want me to heal him. So I went and I saw this man and he was lying motionless on that bed with, with this thing sticking in his face, um, taking, breathe, giving him oxygen and he was entirely on life support. And I put my hand on his head and the moment I put my hand on his head, I heard this voice, presumably God, saying, I am angry with this man. And I went, whoa. You know, I was really afraid because this is not something that anyone has taught me about uh, I was not prepared for it at all. And I kind of took a couple of steps back and I said, God, what do you want me to do? He needs to repent. And I said, how can he repent? He's, he's you know, comatose there. You know, he can't speak, he can't hear, he can't do anything. And why are you angry with him anyway? And he didn't answer anymore, but I spoke to the wife a little later and I said, tell me something about your family. And she said, we have, I don't know, we have misfortune ever since we got, I got married. We have five children. All of them are married. All of them are divorced. 
we have financial problems, we have this and that. And I did a little study after that. And I realized that a lot of these kind of problems that occur happen because someone in the family has done something to do with the occult, has basically opened their souls to, 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 um, to um, unfriendly spirits. And I asked the wife afterwards, the second day I met her and I spoke to her again, I said, has he done that? And she said he makes it a regular practice. All the time he's consulting Babas and he's consulting and he's getting portions and he's doing this and he's doing that. And here I can see the effects on an entire family. So I prayed, that's all I could do. And in that evening, uh, she called and said, my husband has recovered consciousness. And I said, praise the Lord. I mean, I was astonished because, um, because uh, he was totally gone and the doctors had given up hope on him. Uh, he still was paralyzed. He couldn't move, uh, but he could now hear. And I told the wife, I need you to go and tell him he needs to make a good confession, get a priest and get him to, um, to confess his sins. And he did that. Thank God for that. And the moment he did that, guess what happened? He got up from the bed and he walked. <clears throat> he passed away a week later, but um, in my heart, I was at peace. And I know the wife also was at peace because I believe God just gave him the opportunity to, to reconcile himself to God. <clears throat> and that is what I want all of us to do over here before we leave is to make sure that we reconcile ourselves to God as well and also try to reconcile God to our family. Can we do that? Can we do that now? Okay, repeat after me. Father God, I know you're a loving God. I know you're merciful and compassionate. I know you're forgiving. I now come before you on behalf of my entire family my parents and grandparents and their parents and I want to say I'm sorry please forgive us all and set us all free I make this prayer in Jesus' name Amen still easy enough? there are many other things that we do Foolishly, children play with Ouija boards. When I was small, they used to be known as planchettes. It consists of a board. I'm not teaching you things I hope for your, that you're going to practice, okay? Don't do this. Definitely don't recommend it. I know because I did it uh, when I was a youngster. Um, I got this, I was very angry one day uh, with the world. I was very angry a lot with the world in those days. And one day I was so angry. I made this board because I didn't have one and I wrote down all the letters in the alphabet and I took a glass, I'd learned how to do this and I invoked spirits and I said, spirits, if you are around, then please come and help me. And then I started asking the board questions and as I placed my finger on the glass, it started to move on its own. and. My life went down the tubes after that. It was always going down the tubes, but after that it started really going down the tubes. And it took a lot of, lot of time and a lot of prayer to get these out. But then what I realized is, is no matter what foolishness we do, 
God still gives power to those who believe. And to anyone who says, Spirit, I might have called you in. I want you and I want you out and you have to leave in Jesus' name. They have to leave. Are you listening to me? They have to leave. And I'm going to read you some scripture in a few minutes that will tell you why they have to leave. But in the meantime, no astrology. Don't open the newspaper columns and look at your horoscopes. Your destiny is not written in the stars. It is written in God's palm if you want to believe it. Okay? It is not written on your palm. So don't go to palmists or some joker who comes to your house and says, I know how to read palms. I used to do that. It was a beautiful way of getting to hold all the girls' hands. You know, because you say, I, I know how to read palms, you, you lot pot a little bit, you know, and before you know it, you have, please read my palm. And I used to make up fancy stories. And, you know, in those days, people used to buy everything, you know, and I, I, I sometimes shudder to think of the stories I made up, stories that people believed. And there is power there. Because if somebody comes and reads my line and he goes, oh, and you go, what, what, what? Short lifeline. Oh, how long am I going to live? 30 years, maybe 31 at the most. And what happens? Come your 29th birthday, if not before that, you think you're going to die. Seriously. You should just sometimes, I wish everybody was a counselor and listen to the kind of stories you hear. People coming to you and saying, this palm has read my hand. And 24 years, I started falling sick. Because I knew I was going to die when I was 25. I says, you knew you were going to die? Who told you that? I went to this palmist and he read my palm and he told me that. I'm not kidding you. So no astrology, no numerology, nothing to do with the occult. No going to babas, no going to pundits, no going to sheikhs. You're saying, Jesus, I don't trust in you. That is what you're doing. So I will accept and I will believe and whatever is there out there, if I can bring the peace that I want, you don't get peace, you only get worse. Trust me. So how do you, how do you, how do you rectify this? Fortunately for us, we have a God who's loving, a God who's merciful, a God who's compassionate, and a God who's understanding. And I thank God for God, honestly. I don't know what I'd do without him. And you just go to him and say, I renounce all these things. And he will make it all right. Can we do that now? Yes. Father God. I have been ignorant. And foolish. In the times when I have sought help. Outside of you. By doing this. Not only have I disrespected. The first commandment, I've put my faith in someone else. I am sorry. And now, as I stand before you, I renounce all practices, numerology, astrology, palmistry, Reiki, yoga, all new age movements, 
Anything that puts me outside of you, I renounce here yeah? totally and completely. And I say to these spirits that I may have invited, knowingly or unknowingly, I do not want you anymore. I invite only one spirit. And he is the spirit of the living God. I invite him into my home, into my heart, into my mind, and into my life. And also into my body. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We've already started to do step three, which is get kicking. And I'm going to read scripture for that. I'm reading from Mark chapter 9, verses 14 to 29. This is long, but there is mana in this. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, he immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, replied Jesus, if you can, everything is possible for those who believe. Immediately the, father's, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my disbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Jesus sends 72 people, ordinary people, and they come back rejoicing that the devil submitted to them. Here you have 12 apostles, people who have been with Jesus for three years. He's taught them, he's trained them. And they try to deliver devils and nothing is happening. And they get into an argument with the Pharisees who say, yo, you say, your power, where's your power? 
And then Jesus comes along and everybody runs to him. He says, what's going on here? And this man comes and says, we went to your disciples, but they couldn't do anything. And Jesus gets very upset. He gets very upset with his apostles. How long do I have to put up with you? What do I need to do with you? How much do I need to teach you and tell you that you have the power to drive out devils? All you need to do is to say, get out, and they have to listen because the spirits will obey in my name. I preach constantly to people about who they are. And there's a reason I started our today's talk by reminding you of who you are. Children of the most powerful being in creation. Brothers and sisters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. A body that houses the Holy Spirit. You have the authority to trample over snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. How dare you come and say, they oppress me. How can you come and say they trouble me? Do you not know who you are? Stand firm tonight. And it doesn't matter what is troubling you. What sexual bondage? How much of unforgiveness? What addiction? You are going to say to that spirit within you. In the name of Jesus. Get out. With full faith. And if your faith is not enough. Be like this man in this story. Who says, I believe, but I still don't believe enough. And Jesus understands that prayer too. And many times I feel like that. I don't believe enough. I believe. Yes, I know. I believe when somebody calls me to pray with the sick, I believe that God is going to heal them. But then sometimes I wonder, is he really going to heal this person? And I have to pray the same prayer this man made. Help my unbelief because it still is not that strong. So make that prayer in all honesty and sincerity and say, Lord, I hear these words, but somehow these words remain only in my mind. Take them down to my heart and let me believe there. So when I stand next time in front of the mirror and I look at myself over there being tortured by this temptation that comes my way, let me say firmly and clearly, no more. In the name of Jesus, I command you to leave. And see what happens. I used to have a lot of addictions. And one of them was smoking. And I remember I was delivered of it in Porta When I'd gone there 10 years ago. And from there I went to Bombay. When I said delivered. I meant the habit was taken away. But I went to Bombay. And I was passing by the cigarette shop. They had these little shops over there. And I just remember I was so consumed. With this desire to have one cigarette. It was torture. Physical torture. I felt my body actually paining and the urge was so strong, so strong. My God, I still remember that. And somehow I fought it. Somehow I kind of crushed it down. I said, I'm not smoking. Half an hour later, I passed by another shop and there the desire came again. Stronger than it was before. I'm not having it. I'm not having it. 
I have been set free. I'm not having it. And an hour later, again it resurfaced, even stronger than it ever was before. And that time I didn't know the word of God. I didn't know anything. All I knew was that I had a friend who had set me free. And I said, Jesus, you have to help me here. You have to help me now. And what do you think he's going to do? Not help? Oh, oh, trust me. That was the last time, the last time I've ever wanted a cigarette in my life. He's going to come at you. He's going to come at you and say, you're not free. He's going to come at you. Come drink. Come. A little bit of whiskey is not going to hurt. Watching a little more porn is not going to hurt. Chasing after this woman or this man is not going to hurt. You've enjoyed yourself all this time. Continue a little longer. God will forgive you. Say, no way, man. I'm done with that. Do not be like what scripture says, like a pig returning to wallow in the mud or a dog returning to its vomit. Do not be like that. Those are things of the world and we're done with them. We're going to live free people, breathing in fresh air. What a life it is to be free. What a life it is to be free. Seriously, I'm telling you, what a life it is to be free. So, we're going to start kicking. Exercise your authority, the authority that God has given you. Fast and pray. The apostles couldn't chase out the demons because they thought Oh, devils are listening to me so I can go wherever I want and say, devil, go, and devils will have to go. Oh, devils are not all that stupid. They know when you're close to God and they know when you're not. You stay close to God. You pray 24 hours, 48 hours, 76 hours, and then you go to the devil and say, get out. And I'm telling you, he is going to get out. Let God know you're sincere about what you want to do. And today, we're going to command. And today, we're going to conquer are you ready?